O Lord, our maker, redeemer, and comforter, we are assembled in your presence to hear your holy word. We pray you to open our hearts by your Holy Spirit, that through the preaching of your word, we may be taught to repent of our sins, to believe on Jesus in life and death, and to grow day by day in grace and holiness. Hear us for Christ's sake. Amen. Grant we beseech you, Almighty God, that the new birth of your only begotten Son in the flesh may set us free, who are held in the old bondage under the yoke of sin. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Old Testament lesson is recorded in the book of Genesis, chapter 46, beginning at verse 1. So Israel took his journey with all that he had and came to Beersheba and offered sacrifices to the God of his father Isaac. Then God spoke to Israel in the visions of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob. And he said, here I am. So he said, I am God, the God of your father. Do not fear to go down to Egypt, for I will make of you a great nation there. I will go down with you to Egypt, and I will also surely bring you up again. And Joseph will put his hand on your eyes. Then Jacob arose from Beersheba. And the sons of Israel carried their father Jacob, their little ones and their wives, in the carts which Pharaoh had sent to carry him. So they took their livestock and their goods, which they had acquired in the land of Canaan, and went to Egypt, Jacob and all his descendants with him, his sons and his sons' sons, his daughters and his sons' daughters, and all his descendants he brought with him to Egypt. Here ends the Old Testament lesson. The epistle lesson is recorded in the first letter of Peter, the fourth chapter, beginning at verse 12. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you, for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part he has blasphemed, but on your part he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. Yet, if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? Now if the righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in doing good as to a faithful creator. Here ends the epistle lesson. 
The Holy Gospel is recorded in the Gospel according to St. Matthew, the second chapter beginning at verse 13. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry, and he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and in all its districts, from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, A voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation, weeping, and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted, because they are no more. But when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the young child's life are dead. Then he arose, took the young child and his mother, and came into the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea instead of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned by God in a dream, he turned aside into the region of Galilee, and he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophets. He shall be called a Nazarene. This is the Holy Gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Oh, how beautiful the It's all.
Let us pray. O Lord God, Heavenly Father, you allowed your dear Son, Jesus Christ, to become a stranger and sojourner in Egypt for our sakes and led him safely home to his fatherland. Mercifully grant that we poor sinners who are strangers and sojourners in this perilous world may soon be called home to our true fatherland, the kingdom of heaven, where we shall live in eternal joy and glory through the same your beloved Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one true God, now and forever. Amen. Our sermon text is recorded in Matthew chapter 2. Let us hear again verses 14 and 15 in Jesus' name. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken through the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. Fellow redeemed, Jesus is fleeing. He flees not for himself, but for us. Christ fled the slaughter of Herod to keep his holy life until the fullness of time, when he would be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Christ fled to bring absolution to the land of Egypt, which once enslaved Israel. He fled that he might give us faith, who often flee rather than deny him in the face of persecution, to free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. He flees not through weakness, but that weakness might become strength. Yet this weakness must have brought sorrow to Mary and Joseph. The visit of the Magi of Persia gave them joy, a joy reflected in the richness of the gifts of the Magi to the child. But their joy dissolved into fear when they learned that the clumsy Magi had attracted the attention of murderous Herod. The angel says, Rise, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. Joseph could have questioned the angelic messenger. What do you mean, flee? I thought you said this child was to save his people. Why should we be afraid of Herod then? Why should we flee from his wrath? If this child cannot save his mother and me, why should we think that he could fulfill the promise that he would save his people? If he cannot save himself, how can he save others? Yet Joseph said none of this. Accepting the word of the Lord, he left that night without being certain when he might be able to return to Judea with his little family. What sorrow this must have brought the Holy Family. The Holy Family is not unlike our own. Our lives, too, are punctuated by joy and sorrow. No life is always joyful and happy. 
No life is always sorrowful and sad. The Christian is seeking to make sense of both the joy and the sorrow. Often the sorrow sent by God in bearing the cross leads to greater joy as we grow in faith and confidence in his mercy. So it was for the Holy Family. Yes, Mary and Joseph sorrowed over an unplanned pregnancy, at least from their perspective. Yet God, through his angel, revealed to them that it was part of his plan. When the angel announced to her that this child was the Son of God, conceived by the Holy Spirit to save his people from their sins, Mary, with faithful acceptance, whispered, Let it be to me according to your word. When directed to take his family to Egypt that very night, Joseph did it. What they didn't see was the bigger picture. They had only a slight idea of why God was doing all this. They had hope in the Messiah, of course, but like all of us, Mary and Joseph only made sense of their sufferings in retrospect. Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. The bigger picture is what matters. If the Holy Family had not fled, Jesus would not have gone into Egypt to reclaim the nation that expelled Holy Israel at the time of the Exodus. The land of the pharaohs, the land of slavery, would have been left to anguish in, in the shadow of death. Instead, the Messiah returns where God was rejected and comes to a people that shut its heart to God's servant Moses to carry out his work of rescuing us from the slavery of sin and death. He went to the land where the water once ran blood red in order that he might shed his blood in order to cleanse us from all sin. The land was purified when the foot of the Son of God walked its fertile valley and its burning desert sands. The horror of the night flight from Herod's slaughter dawns into a glorious day of salvation for a land mired in darkness and the shadow of death. The wisdom of God, who became incarnate of Mary, trumped the wisdom of Egypt. The Christ child had visited the land of the Gentiles. Often our sorrows lead to the dawning of the light of Christ among us. In sorrow, Jacob had long ago gone into Egypt for salvation from famine. He would settle there for only the Lord knows how long. He was no more certain of the time of his return than Joseph. Yet he was certain that God would fulfill his promise to him that he would inherit the land promised to Abraham and to his seed forever. So certain was he of his inheritance from the Lord that he gave instructions that his earthly remains were to be laid to rest with his fathers, Abraham and Isaac. He would go up out of Egypt, even if only for his burial. Jo Jacob, like Joseph, walked by faith. 
the Lord built Jacob into a great nation in Egypt. And that nation took his God-given name. His sons became Israel. Moses led the sons of Israel out of Egypt by passing through the Red Sea on dry ground. And 400 years after going down into Egypt, the nation of slaves went up out of Egypt to take possession of their inheritance from the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The people left behind implacable enemies and hardened opponents of the Lord whose bodies washed up on the shore of the Red Sea, drowned by the Lord. They were left to their frog-faced gods of gilded wood for salvation. But God's heart still yearned for fellowship with those who hated him and sought to thwart his ways and destroy his people. He still loved those who served the frog-faced gods of the Nile Valley. The Lord was not done with these depraved worshipers of other gods. He would not abandon them to death and darkness. The Lord was going to do all he could to bring new life into the valley of the shadow of death and light to the land of darkness. He sent his own son to Egypt. Jacob went into Egypt a free man, and Jesus returned as the servant of all. Jacob went because he had no choice. Jesus went, though he could have chosen not to. He had come to do your will, O God. Israel, who was subject to none, became subject to Pharaoh. Jesus, who was master of all, fled before Herod. He who would save all people refused to save himself. He trusted himself to his heavenly Father, who used the humble means of his earthly family to rescue his son. He became the new Israel, the perfect case of deja vu all over again. He has done all things well. Just as Jacob went down into Egypt to become Israel, the Lord Jesus went down into Egypt to be God's son, true Israel for us. But when Israel was called out of Egypt, Israel was a reluctant migrant, a skeptical believer, a rebellious subject. It failed to be what it was called by God to be, but wandered in the wilderness following its own rebellion and unbelief. God had rescued it. Now it was going to find its own way. The people rebelled against Moses, and having been rescued from the tyranny of the frog-faced gods of Egypt, created their own tyranny, tyranny in a calf-faced god. The Egyptians were certainly not going to have anything over the Israelites. They salivated for the flush pots of Egypt and choked on manna sent by God. To fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. Jesus, who went down into Egypt, was called out of Egypt as the true son of God. He returned as the truly faithful son where Israel once rebelled, wandered, worshipped false gods, and starved. He had come to do the will of God. He had come to walk in the ways of the law. He had 
come to be manna incarnate, the very bread from heaven, that one may eat of it and not die. He was the thirst-quenching water from the riven rock, that whoever drinks of him will never thirst, the water that will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Jesus takes Israel's sullied mantle and becomes the son whom God loved. In this way, he becomes the remaking of Israel in his own person. He is the substitute for all Israel. He incorporates into himself all who believe in him. We who believe have become beloved sons of God, the true Israel. We who pass through the Red Sea on dry ground in holy baptism become incorporated into him who is the true Israel and sharing in his exodus enter the promised land with him. We cross the Red Sea of death in his path from Egypt where once the hard-hardened Pharaoh and all his soldiers were drowned. Now, however, he leads all of Egypt in triumphal procession through the water, leading them on from death to life. He is leading captivity captive, that we Gentiles who died with Pharaoh's chariots and horsemen might be led through dry ground into life with him. We Gentile Egyptians who once expelled Israel now follow the new Israel through the water that makes all believers, both Jews and Gentiles, Israel and the beloved son whom God called out of Egypt. Jesus flees into Egypt that he might lead many sons out of Egypt through the Red Sea on dry ground. He flees that we might not. Jesus is born to be God's true son, Israel, for us, that we might become children of God through faith in him. Amen. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Let us pray. King of kings and Lord of lords, your reign on earth and in heaven is forever. The mighty of this world, if they are truly wise, kneel down and worship you and bring to you their tribute. As Magi crossed the trackless deserts to honor you, so the Christian church on this day hurries into your presence to worship you. Ancient kings and sages brought you gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Today your followers offer themselves in tribute. Over all the years, you have provided the guiding star that lights our path and illuminates our way. We have followed, trusting you to lead us, and you have brought us to a manger, a well, a garden, and a cross. Lead us ever till we rest before your throne eternally. We thank you for the many benefits that are ours by reason of your guiding, health when we have it, and hope when we do not food and shelter, a job to do and the will to do it, the knowledge of our soul's great need and your great sacrifice to meet it, our faith and thus our future. We have come to all these blessings by your patient leading. Our hearts stir with the fullness of our gratitude. Lead on great truth, go on before into our cities across the wilderness, beside still waters, Onto the heat of battle, to bed at night, to work each day, with you going on before we are confident of victory. 
And when you at last lead us along our final walk to heaven, take our hands in yours to comfort and give courage. As heaven's door swings wide, guide us safely home. Your name gives meaning to our prayer. Your presence gives confidence to our petition. Your grace gives certainty that you have heard and will answer us, for you have taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.